0: You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. Well, good morning, everyone. Yes, good morning. Uh... Great to be gathered with you. Uh, it seems that winter has come, which is not a bad thing, but I moved away from the prairies to get away from winter, so we'll uh, we'll wait for that snow to melt. Uh, we're just going to dive right into it. So we've been in a series uh, looking through the parables, and really the, the parables gives us an insight to... Uh, to that prayer that Jesus teaches us all, right? Your, your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And and, and we need help imagining what that looks like and, and sometimes words actually, just like plain kind of a sentence dictation doesn't quite cut it. And so Jesus turns to telling parables, often confusing um, at first glance, to reveal a little bit more about what that kingdom, what his kingdom looks like. So this morning, we are gonna be looking at a parable called the parable of the sower. It is found in Luke chapter eight uh, verses, well, we're gonna start in verse one. So it's Luke chapter eight. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. If you grab the pew in front of you, I believe it's 722. 722 is what I think um, the parable of the sower is. I, I think I actually have some of the verses on the screen behind me as well. So we're just gonna dive in. We're just gonna go right for it and, uh, and we'll, dis- we'll break it up. So there's, there's kind of like three segments about this and, and we'll break it up as we go, kind of do a little bit of a deep dive um, during each time. So the first one, starting in verse one, this is the word of the Lord. After this, Jesus traveled from, okay, sorry. After this, we, we did, does anyone remember what happens? I think it was last week. Um, maybe I'm getting my weeks confused. But last week, Jesus um uh, we heard about where Jesus is sitting at uh, kind of this, this sort of party, this dinner party, and, and he wasn't treated very well. The, the, there wasn't a whole lot of hospitality shown to him. And then this woman uh, came in, or actually was already in the room, and showed Jesus the hospitality and the greeting that the original guest. And so this woman really honored Jesus in, in this incredible way. And so the story picks up, right? After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, those are the disciples, and also some women, um, some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of, of Shuzah, the, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Okay, this is the context in which we start. A couple things, right? We, we see that Jesus is continuing his ministry, he's traveling from place to place, and he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Um, <laughs> I remember in Bible study, uh, or in Bible school, uh, this, this theme, the kingdom of God, I don't know how many books have been written about it, but many, and I'm sorry, more than just the Bible. <laughs> um, there's hundreds and hundreds of books. This is like one of those wells that, that you can't find the bottom. There's so much depth to those three words, kingdom of God. And, and instead of going into all of that, what, what I wanna do is flip just a couple pages earlier in Luke chapter four, And this is Jesus, he has kind of gone through this period of testing and he's about to step into his ministry. He's about to step into proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and this is what he does. Uh, This is uh, Luke chapter four, verse 17. Jesus stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the tenants, sat down, and he began by saying to them, "'Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing.'" So this is how Jesus begins his ministry. This is how Jesus begins the proclamation of the good news of the kingdom, right? Freedom from oppression, recovery of sight. And, and we hear in the story that, that Jesus means this literally, right, he, he heals uh, the blind, but there's also uh, a, f- a figurative recovery of sight that he grants his followers to, to see the world as it is and as it should and could be. And so Jesus invites people, and he's, he, we're we're seeing, um, we see Jesus going from town to town proclaiming this good news. Uh, this theologian Scott McKnight, he talks about the kingdom of God. He's saying kingdom mission forms a kingdom people, and that kingdom people in the present world is the church, right? So kingdom mission forms a kingdom people, and that kingdom people. In our day is the church. And when Scott is saying church, he doesn't mean building. He means followers of Jesus who are on the same kingdom mission as Jesus, right? Followers who have heard the good news, who have been set free, and are stepping alongside his reconciliation work in our world. So that makes the kingdom people. This is the kingdom that Jesus is speaking about. We're also hearing there's a large crowd, right? This is disciples. Maybe these are just people who are interested in what this Jesus guy is all about. Maybe you can relate to someone in the crowd where you're like, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but I'm curious about what he has to say. And then there's this group of, of women that, that are, are made a special point in, in Luke. They're a group of dedicated followers that have begun helping Jesus and, and supporting Jesus out of their own means. And, and we're told that some of them are, are women of like great means and they're supporting Jesus um, and his followers, it looks like fiscally and, and through other ways. And it's like, ah, that's, that's a very neat thing to highlight on. We'll, we'll come back to that. So in this context, Right? While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus, this is verse 4, from town after town, Jesus told this parable. And here's the parable, um, as known as the parable of the sower, starting in verse 5. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell along rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants, and still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a 100 times more than was sown. And when Jesus said this, he called out, whoever has ears, let them hear. This is the parable of the sower. And maybe in this instance, you are exactly like the disciples. And you're like, hey, hey I'm gonna raise my hand. Jesus, question, question, what, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, and that's what the disciples do in verse nine. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. And thank goodness for once Jesus actually explains <laughs> what he's saying. Because it's, it's so good, it's so good. So Jesus said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you but to others I speak in parable so that through seeing they may not see though hearing they may not understand and this is the meaning of the parable so Jesus is about to go into it verse 11 this is the meaning of the parable the seed is the word of God Okay, let's just let's just pause right there. Has anyone heard of this parable before? Just like hands up, parable of the sower. Okay, cool. I'm not. That, that's good. Thank you for raising your hands. Um, oftentimes, as as I was reading this and studying it this week, I was I was thinking back to the different moments where I'd heard this parable, and and it it feels like I, I've often heard it in like in um, evangelism context. Uh, and maybe you can relate to that, but in this like evangelism context, you know, I've 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 heard the parable of the Sawyer saying, okay, what we're supposed to do is spread the word of God and you know, some seed will fall here and it might not produce fruit, some seed will fall here and, and, and those people might not become followers of Jesus, but hey, some seed will, those people will become followers of Jesus. Right? I, I've heard it that way many times and, and I, I started to think about myself is that when Jesus begins to explain the parable, he, he actually just completely steps over the sower, do you notice like, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. How he starts the parable in verse five, a farmer went to sow his seed. So, so do you see, he starts the parable, a farmer went to sow his seed and Jesus is like, he, he just ignores the farmer and he goes right to the seed. So maybe, maybe the actual message of the parable is actually not so much about the sower. Uh, here, here's a little pro tip. Did you know those headers in the Bible weren't actually written when the Bible was written? Um, <laughs> um, sometimes I actually think they can do damage to how we read the Bible. And, and, and damage is maybe an extreme word. Sometimes I say words uh, in, in a way that I don't necessarily mean. But, but they, they can lead us a little bit astray. Right, the parable of the sower. And so immediately we, we read that header, we go on to read the parable and then all we're doing is thinking about the sower. But what Jesus? What does Jesus want us to think about? The seed, right? This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. So really, maybe, maybe we should just take a pen, scratch out sower, we could put in seed, the parable of the seed. I, I don't know if you're allowed to do that, but... But uh, give it a go. Let me read on the rest of this. Verse 12. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those along the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So the parable is about the word of God, which is the seed. But there's also another key theme that kind of snakes its way through Jesus' interpretation. And Jesus gives us a hint at the end of the parable in verse eight, he says, uh, whoever has ears, let him hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Throughout that whole explanation, Jesus says those who heard this, hear this, receive this, hear this. So it's a parable of the soil, but it's also a parable about hearing. It's a parable about hearing the word of God. And it lays out different groups of people in different circumstances, in different settings who have heard the word of God in a different way. Is anyone here like a really bad sleeper? Like I am a very poor sleeper. Um, And and by poor sleeper, I mean, I, I need to have exactly everything in the right order, in the right way, in order for me to like even begin to think about falling asleep. So uh, I, I don't, I think I realized how weird I was until after I got married. Um, and then it's like, uh, you know, in, it, like the first thing I do when, when, I, when I go into a hotel room is, well, one, I take the blankets and rip them out of the, the bed. I hate them when they're tucked in. Uh, so I rip out the comforter. If there's like a VC, uh, VC, I was gonna say VCR. There's no such thing as VCR anymore. But if, thank you. If there was like a TV with a massive light on or like a DVD player or any little box that's like, like blaring a red light in my direction, I actually unplug that box. Um, I like, I twist everything away. I do the blackouts. I make sure that the temperature is like 19 and a half degrees. So it's like cold enough where you have to like get snuggled in, um, where you don't want to like escape your blanket. Like that is like the, the, the everything. I need all of those things. And yes, I am high maintenance, but I need all of those things in order for me to get any measure of sleep. Maybe you're the same way. You need to create like a certain environment in order to get sleep. Or maybe you're like, you think of your morning routine and you have this incredible time of journaling and like um, worshiping Jesus, but there's like an environment you create. Right, you get your coffee, you get your Bible, your journal, maybe you sit in your favorite chair, um, your, your kids are all sleeping, um, wh- whatever it is, right? There's that environment in which you prepare yourself for what is to come. This is where the parable takes us. The parable is leading us into uh, examining four days different possible environments for di- different ways in which we can begin to hear the word of God and which we can prepare to hear. And this is the parable of, of the soils, of the different areas of the different types of soils in these different situations to prepare to hear the word of God. And it's important because it's hearing, but it's, it's hearing the word of God. I just want to take a little bit of a, a detour on, on these three words, uh, another loaded set of words. We had kingdom of God and word of God. This is a loaded set of words. You know, the, the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of this book, we, we hear this creation account of God Himself speaking the world into being. And He said, Let there be light. Right? We, 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 we get a glimpse at the very beginning of the power of the word of God. This, a psalmist would say that by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the stars by the breath of his mouth. In Hebrews 1, 3, the author would say that the sun is the radiance of God's glory and by the exact reputation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word, right? We get this picture that the son sustains all things by his powerful word. There is power in the word of God. And I think we get this in our, in our modern culture, we understand the significance of words. Uh, we understand that the words carry a lot of meaning, but I feel like we're, we're, we're kind of in this strange spot in our culture these days where we're beginning to wrestle with the incredible power and meaning behind certain words. But then at the same time, we also treat words like quite flippantly. Um, C.S. Lewis has this quote, where he says, don't use words too big for the subject. Don't say infinitely when you mean very, otherwise you'll have no word left when you want to talk about something actually infinite. Uh, it is so funny, I, I actually just did this earlier when I said, right? Uh, 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 maybe a more modern understanding of, of this uh, is, is from the movie, The Incredibles, uh, the, the, the villain syndrome, uh, I think we have it up there, Melanie. Uh, it it it'll get there, yeah. So there's there's the uh, maybe I'll show up. Okay, that's okay. Um, if you get it up there, Melanie, that that that's fantastic. But there's this uh, this um, superhero movie, The Incredibles, right? And the uh, the villain in the movie says that when everyone is super, no one will be super, right? It's, there's just like a power behind the words? There it is. When everyone's super, no one will be. So maybe this sparked something. But it's, it's this idea, right, that at once words are powerful, but for some reason we, we've begun to treat, treat them flippantly. And, and this actually extends to not just the words themselves, but, but the one behind the words, the one who is saying the words, right? You, you think of, uh, of, of words um, said to you, maybe it's like an, an insult, um, or a compliment from someone that you, you don't really care about uh, that they just come and they just like give you a compliment and like oh hey thank you so much for that but if someone you you come that that you really respect and love um, and says those same words you receive it differently right you know you receive words differently if it's someone close to you or, and you think of your workplace let's let's just you know you're at work and let's say an employee. Um, an employee of yours, so you're their boss, comes up to you and, and points to, like, a mess on the ground and says, hey, go clean that up. Or this is an employee of yours. Like, what are you going to say? You're going to look at them like, no, you clean that up. <laughs> I, I don't want to clean it. It's like, you, you can't tell me what to do. Okay. What happens if it's a coworker saying the same thing? Hey, clean that up. Okay, that's like a little bit different because now you're kind of weighing options. It's like, okay, what should I do? But it's still the words don't have that much weight. If it's your manager saying, hey, clean that up. Okay, you're, you're gonna listen to the manager. Um, if it's the owner of the business coming in, and says, hey, clean that up. You're probably gonna clean that up and then clean the whole room because you wanna impress the owner of the business. There's, there's a different weight to the words depending on who says the words. And in each of those times, there, there, there's a response, right? There's, there's a hearing that happens to the word and a response to the word. And this parable is about responding and hearing the word of God. And we'll see that there's multiple responses to the same good news. There's multiple responses to the same good news, and these are the four different environments in which we hear the word of God. And, and we'll, we'll just lay, a, we'll go through them right here. So there's four. And um, the first is taken away. The second is in the time of testing, they fall away. The third, choked by life's worries and pleasures. And fourth, retain persevere and produce. Each of these four have heard the word of God and each of these four have a different outcome to hearing the word of God. Okay, we're, we're actually gonna start in, with number four and then we're gonna work our way backwards. So we're gonna start with this ideal, right? Retain, persevere, produce. Uh, in Luke 8, 15, you'll see it here. By the seed, but the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and um, by persevering, produce a crop. This is what Jesus in the parable is leading towards his listeners. He's, He's wanting his listeners, he's wanting that large crowd, his disciples, the people just checking him out, to examine how they are hearing the word of God and to really come to grips with the environment and the situation in which they are receiving the word of God. And he's saying, hey. This is how you, you know if you are hearing the word of God correctly. One, you'll retain it. You'll let it sink into who you are. This is like that picture in, in Psalm 1 where it talks about how the blessed person is like a tree planted by streams of water, right? A tree planted by streams of water. We, um, my wife Jocelyn and I, we were... Uh, um, removing some some trees, not trees, bushes in the backyard of our um, townhouse this year, and and we removed them, but we realized that they have a crazy like root complex that like goes underneath um, the fence and the the barriers and on all this stuff in our house, and there's these massive stumps now in our back, and we're like, okay, we don't know what to do here. So if someone is like really good at removing stumps or something, that you can come talk to me afterwards. But it's it's that idea. That tree was planted. It was rooted it in. This is the idea of of, of retaining it is rooted in. In this situation, they hear the word of God, they retain it, but they also persevere. This is persevering in times of doubt. It's the disciple going to Jesus and saying, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's 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 not this blind holding on to, but it's more like Jacob wrestling an angel of the Lord throughout the night, right? About Jacob not letting go until he is blessed. He is struggling, he's in pain, but he's not gonna let go of God until he is blessed, It's crying out in the desert, it's clinging to God in the valleys. It's hard work, it's deep work. It's persevering in the word of God. So they retain, they persevere and they produce. In Psalm one, it ends with the person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Remember the the women um, that were described at the beginning of this passage in verse uh, two and three, right? We had Mary, we had Joanna, we had Susanna. These are all followers of Jesus who heard the word of God, who retained it deep in their beings, who persevered through struggles and now have produced a fruit of salvation. Right? We see the fruit actually, right? They are helping out Jesus out of their own means. There is this very tangible change in their life. They've been set free from their oppression. They have walked into the flourishing um, life of Jesus and, and, and have started giving out of abundance because they have received out of the abundance of Jesus's grace. So we, we, we aim for this. This is like the ideal situation in which we hear the word of God. One in which we retain the word, which we persevere and which we produce. And the other three are all kind of um, talking about this, but, but from, from the, the negative um, perspective. And, and here's, here's the thing. I don't think this is like a, like a hard and fast either-or situation where it's like, okay, you're either this soil or you're this soil. I actually think it's, you it's, we hear and, and, and we, we, we live in this place where we want to retain, persevere and produce, but in the seasons of life, we kind of slip into the other places, slip into the other groups and, and we're gonna talk about them and I think you'll begin to relate to these other ones. So the next, in verse 14, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. You know, choked by life's worries and pleasures, they do not mature. So, so, so they've heard the word, but, but the question, okay, how can worry or pleasure choke out the word of God? Uh, This author, Dan Zadra, has this quote where he says, Worry is a misuse of the imagination. And it really got me thinking. Worry is a misuse of the imagination. And in some ways, uh, if you've ever been in a uh, a season of intense worry or maybe you're worrying about what is to come tomorrow, you you can understand how, yeah, it it is a misuse of imagination, but it also becomes overwhelming. It becomes the all-encompassing part. That's all we can think about. And it makes sense because if, if we're choked out by life's worries, if, if that is all of our imagination, what room is left to imagine what impact the word of God can have in our lives and those around us? And it's fascinating that worry and pleasure are used in the same kind of environment, right? At first glance, you're like, okay, why, why is this parable, why is this soil, these people choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures? But what is pleasure in this instance, but also a misuse of imagination? There's there's nothing wrong about pleasure in itself, but when it becomes the all-encompassing imagination, it also leaves no room for the kingdom of God. Jesus wants to give us a kingdom imagination. He wants to kind of enrapture our thoughts about what could be about the change that he has, not only for our lives, but for those around us, about that broken relationship that we have written off and Jesus wants to capture our minds with, okay, hey, this is what reconciliation could look like. But if we're in a situation where we are wrapped up in life's worries or, on the other hand, wrapped up in life's pleasures, there's often no room to think, to to be to be led in our imagination to something else becomes overwhelming overcompensating and and you know this this idea right is, is 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 so key so choked by life's worries and pleasures next in verse 13 those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the uh, receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. So in the time of testing, they fall away. Uh, you know, I'm gonna talk about two different times of testing, just, just very, very very briefly. The first, a belief, uh, one type of testing is when kind of a, a set of belief Beliefs get challenged, and I see this most often, right? Um, students coming out of high school, moving away from home into university for the first time. That is often where their, their, their beliefs are challenged, and I've seen many, many people in that situation who, instead of pressing into the word of God, um, step away because they're just not quite sure what to do with that challenge. I had a friend... Um, who was a couple years younger than me, who we had coffee uh, when, during the middle of his first year of university. And he was like, Brendan, like, I don't know what to do with all these questions. Like, I just have so many questions that have come up. And he was actually, he was going to Bible school, but he just had so many questions that his faith was like shaken to the core. And I, I asked him, I was like, hey, like, have you tried to answer any of those questions? And he, he just like, no, no, I'm too scared. I'm too scared to ask those questions and to answer them. And I get it. Because I, I think sometimes we 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 don't believe that this document, this set of books, you know, two thousand years old is quite as relevant today as it was back in Jesus' time. That, that when we ask Jesus the hard questions, we're, I think we're a little bit scared because if the answer is different than what I'm thinking, what's gonna happen on the other side? But the reality is there's no question too big for God. Right, God is not afraid of your questions. And so if you're here and you're in a questioning season, I pray that you, you ask those questions, you seek answers. God is not afraid of your questions. God is not afraid of your questions. And and the second type of testing that I, I believe really can can shake faith is is you know a testing of of suffering. And it's like, where is God in you? Fill that in. Where is God right now? Where is God in my? You can fill that in. And I, I, I'm not going to spend much time speaking about this because. There's so much to speak about, but there is this, uh, this song I was listening to. Listen, um, written by Joshua Leventhal. I just want to want to quote these these two lines from him. But my questions scream out in the void. I need your whisper to pierce through the noise, and I don't know how this works. How your pain collides, or your plan collides with pain and my fear lives in those gaps, but there's one thing I know, that you sustain everything. This, this sets, this set of words, these lyrics, it, it shows the cry and the depth in the suffering, but also this, 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 this trying to grasp onto a truth that, that we read about how, how by the word of Jesus, He sustains everything there's tension in that there's there's no easy answers there's tension in that and the last group those who are taken away verse 12 those along the path are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved this one's a confusing one for me just to to grapple with i I don't like it because it seems that the agency has been taken away from the person and placed into the hands of, of the devil. That's just what it seems like. And I think it's a reminder of, of, of a passage we hear elsewhere right in 1 Peter. Um, Peter would say that be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We hear these these four these four groups, right? Those who are taken away, in the time of testing, they fall away, they're choked by life's worries and pleasures, and those who retain, persevere, and produce. The hearing environment matters, the soil matters in how we hear the word of God, but the reality is, it actually doesn't matter nearly as much as the word of God itself. Okay, so the soil matters, but the seed matters more. Word of God, right? We've dug into the word of God, but there's also another layer behind the power of the word of God, behind the truth of the word of God, which we hear about in John 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. So the other layer behind word of God is Jesus himself, right? The word of God, the fullest expression of God himself seed right Jesus himself right just like just like the parable talks about about how those who are taken away by the devil Jesus was in the desert tempted by the devil and withstood it and retained the promises of God just like in the parable we hear about those who were tested and fell away Jesus in the garden right withstood an ultimate measure of testing. But he didn't fall away. And just like those who were choked by life's worries on the cross, unlike those, right, Jesus on the cross denied himself all earthly pleasure and took upon the worries of the world upon himself. This is the one who has power to save. It's, it's, it's not you or I actually, which is a relief. It is the power of the word of God. It is Jesus himself that produces the crop in our lives. It's Jesus himself that helps us retain the promises of God, helps us persevere and helps us produce, it's Jesus. And so maybe today, right, you, you, you've been listening to this and, and you find yourself or maybe you're thinking of a loved one and you're like, oh man, I know someone who has fallen away like this. I know someone who was tested and, and, and they don't believe in Jesus like they used to, or I feel that myself. I feel like I'm in an intense season of doubt or intense season of suffering. I want you to be reminded not only of the power of God, of the word of God, but the love of the word of God. Right, the one who would leave the 99 to save the one. The one who gives up his life for you and I, the, the sinner. The, right, the, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, no matter the situation they find yourself in. And so you might have been hearing these different Soils and these different environments of listening. And, and, and guess what? You, you, maybe you don't find yourself in the retain, persevere, and, and produce group. Guess what? The, the, the way that we can encounter Jesus and produce the crop and life-giving, um, life-giving work of Jesus in our life isn't by pulling up our bootstraps and just trying really hard to build a perfect environment so that we can get there. No, it's by turning our attention and our faith to Jesus. Right? The one who has the power to take hold of our life, transform our hearts, and produce that fruit. So we hear, we retain, we persevere, and produce because Jesus first heard God's call in our life. He retained, held on to it, and he persevered to the end and produced a crop of salvation that he freely shares with all of us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are, we thank you for your word. And Jesus, we thank you for you that you invite us into um, just a fullness of life that, that, that I don't think we, we can quite imagine. So Jesus, give us a renewed imagination. I pray for those in this room who, who might feel that they are being choked by life's worries. Jesus, give them your peace. Give them room to imagine to imagine your life, Jesus. And so God, I, I, thank you for, I thank you for your word and your invitation into this greater life. We pray these things in your powerful name. Amen.